Hello and welcome to Adam Analyzes. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. All right, so for this week's episode, I thought I would tackle a movie that has kind of been forgotten, has a little bit of a cult following now, but despite that cult following, still, I don't hear many people talk about it, which is kind of a shame because it's well-made, it's definitely low-budget, but it's a well-made, low-budget horror film, even though it's not quite a horror film in the traditional sense. This is director Brad Anderson's 2001 Session 9. Session 9 tells the story of an asbestos cleaning crew that is cleaning up the Danvers State Hospital, which was originally called the State Lunatic Asylum at Danvers. This is actually a real place in Massachusetts. And today, most of it is torn down and there are apartment buildings, uh, apartment complexes in its place. There is still one of the buildings that is standing from the original Danvers Asylum. But it did have some historical value, even though, like most asylums of its time, actually had a horrible history involved with it. Uh, I'm from Pennsylvania originally, and one of the things that comes to mind is Penhurst. A lot of the gothic nature of the way this asylum looked kind of looks the way uh, the Penhurst Asylum in Pennsylvania looks, which that is still standing and is extremely haunted. I cannot go and verify that there's anything that happened at Danvers that uh, would provide any type of haunting or anything like that because there's not a whole lot of information. I did look it up and there's been no real verified accounts. So for the most part, Session 9 is a fictionalized story at a real place that has a horrible history. So that's actually kind of fascinating to use that as a setup for a horror movie. And it's even more interesting with how I guess they wrap it around because during the entire thing of this film, you never know if it's an actual haunting going on, their suggestion of spirits, but you're never actually witnessed anything. And while some people may think that that's a cop out, I don't think it is personally. I like the fact that us as the viewers, we are very much able to decide what actually happened. And there's enough in the movie that supports one explanation or another. But for the most part, I think I may be getting ahead of myself here as far as some of the other discussions with the movie itself. One of the more interesting things is that I thought that this was director Brad Anderson's first film. No, it appears that he directed some low-budget romantic comedies and he wound up switching to doing this one, which is a horror film at its heart, but it's not quite a horror film. It's more of a suspense film. It does have horror elements, and I guess it does have a definite creep factor throughout the entire thing. I think probably one of the most interesting things, though, is that Brad Anderson seemed to be a one-trick pony at this point as far as a director because he made Session 9, which I felt was incredibly original, but he made this very similar, I guess, thematically, The Machinist, which I think was great as well, but they do share a similar twist for the most part. 
considering session nine in 2021 will be 20 years old and the machinist I believe is going to be about 15 years old or so. I still don't want to ruin the twist, but if you watch both movies back to back, I think you'll understand where I'm coming from as far as the idea of guilt consuming us. Probably one of the most fascinating things about Session 9 too is not just that it's filmed in a real location, but the fact that there's a definite odd choice as far as the filming style with this movie. The way it's filmed and the way it's recorded, you almost feel like they did not use a separate audio recording team to actually record any of the audio. Instead, it seems like they were recording all of the audio specifically with just the 24p HD cameras that they were using. This was one of the first movies to use that, and my memories with this film were actually that it was a very muddy and tough to look at movie like I never really liked the look of this movie and that's mostly because when I first saw this one I saw it on direct TV I don't know one of the cable networks was showing it and it took me quite a few times to actually get through this one because for one I didn't like the slow pace and for another I did not like the way the movie actually looked and I also did not like the way the audio sounded. It's just, it's odd. Everything about this movie, it seems like there's something off with it. And now looking at it on rewatching it many times throughout the years and actually just rewatching it last night, I think it fits the movie very well. It definitely looks low budget, but it looks realistic at the same time. It doesn't give you that feeling that they were using as a budget constraint but this movie was heavily constrained by budget it was made for roughly about a million bucks that's all they had to work with so with that they couldn't really hire a well-known cast the two biggest names that you would have here in this film would be one josh lucas who was in a whole bunch of different movies and one of the things i remember seeing him in is the ang lee directed hulk film yes i want to say incredible hulk but no this one is just called hulk not even the hulk seriously but then you also have actor david caruso who later became a bit of a joke with his role as horatio in csi miami <laughs> Sorry about that one. Um, honestly, I couldn't help myself but to, to add that in. So anyway, let's get back to the movie. So Session 9 was not limited by its budget whatsoever. It was not limited by the lack of star power, in my opinion. And it's weird to me, though, that the fact that there's a lot of critics that gave this either... I guess mediocre or bad reviews. I remember when this movie did come out. I don't think it came out in very many theaters, but I remember reading a review for it in a paper and it got two stars, I think, out of four. This is when a lot of the news companies and newspapers were still giving it a star rating. They weren't judging it on a A, B, C, or D rating or like out of 10 or anything like that. But I remember it got a bad review and they said about how 
the movie itself, for one, wasn't scary and that you were likely to die of boredom instead of actually being scared with it. And I understand that complaint because the movie is very long and drawn out. But as you're viewing the movie, you sort of get drawn into everything. And then once the big reveal comes out, it's actually a very sad and tragic story. Sure, there's a bad deed that's done in the movie. And whether the character of Bill comes to the realization that he committed a horrible crime and such, then there's a lot of different ways to look at this one. And I like the fact that you could piece it together as far as being a former patient, or you could even go and think about there's demonic possession going on. You could also think about, hey, maybe the entire crew didn't exist Maybe the altar of the character of Mary, which her stuff is recorded in sessions, and that's where when you get to session nine, that's essentially when all hell breaks loose. But you you have a couple different ways of looking at this one, and I love the way that the movie is really multi-layered. It's a multi-layered story, and it doesn't come to an easy suggestion as far as what's actually going on or happening. But yet, it's not difficult to understand either. And that's one of the things that makes the movie great. I think that in that respect, that low-budget nature, and I'm assuming they used natural lighting based off of the way the movie looks, it does still retain like a muddy look on Blu-ray. However, everything is clean and the movie actually looks good on this viewing that I recently had with it. So if you're going to view it in any sort of way or fashion here, I really recommend picking up the Blu-ray or giving it a rent from somewhere that may still rent them or something. I would highly suggest not checking it out on DVD or even VHS. I would definitely recommend a high-definition source of some way because I don't feel that it translates well to a lower-definition signal. The 24p high-definition camera that it was shot with is supposed to mimic a film-like appearance. It definitely doesn't look like film to me. However, on the Blu-ray, it really suits the movie with the way it looks. I don't want to get too far into the actual endings here. I only wanted to say about how you could think that there's many different ways to interpret the ending. And that's one of the things that makes this movie worth seeing. Another one is the fact that this one is a glimpse into a building that people have rarely seen. The Danvers Asylum there, it seems like they were never letting anybody into it. There were a few ghost hunters that were allowed into it, I guess, during the day. But for the most part, they weren't really allowed into that place at all. It is fascinating to me that this one, supposedly there is an onset story as far as what happened to one of the, the crew. And for that, you will have to go and do a little research on that. I'm not going to say it here because of the fact, I don't know how true it is, but you do have the director and you have uh, actor Josh Lucas along with the one other actor that was in it. They do believe that this actually happened and who knows? I wasn't there, so I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But it is a fascinating story in its own right, and I think it adds to the legacy of the Danvers Institute itself. 
in this movie, we're actually seeing things that were preserved or not so well preserved. And I think it's a fascinating thing because a lot of that stuff is no longer there. This movie, they make it feel like they're filming it throughout the entire institute or asylum, whatever you want to call it. They, it seems like they're filming it in a large part of it, but instead they actually only used a little bit of the actual asylum. And that's because of the fact that a lot of it was too dangerous to go into. They were worried that if they were going to step on the step on the floor that they were going to fall right through. So it really is interesting to me that we're getting to see something that maybe we weren't supposed to see or something that's no longer there even. As for director Brad Anderson, sadly he's pretty much a TV director now. He mostly works on just various TV shows. He did release a few really good movies, in my opinion. He directed this one, Session 9, and then The Machinist, and then also the film Trans-Siberian. All three of those films are actually really good movies. And, well, then he did a movie called The Call with Halle Berry in 2014, which I did not see. And, well, looks like he's working on some shows on the CW and also directed an episode or two of the James Patterson CBS classic. Yes, I'm saying that with sarcasm. The show Zoo, where all the animals attack people for whatever reason. I don't know. I never watched the show because it looked ridiculous. But... Sadly, he made some really good movies and seemed to step away from doing full-on theatrical features. But I do have a little bit of hope that maybe he will return to making some feature films and maybe he'll release something that is just as strong as Session 9, The Machinist, or Trans-Siberian. I know as far as those three films, Trans-Siberian is the one that a lot of people either did or did not like. I know bloodydisgusting.com gave it a bad review, but then again, it's not really a horror film. I don't feel like Brad Anderson has really made a horror film, but he's made he's made some dramatic films with horror elements, and I think that's the best way to look at a lot of his work. So it definitely goes without saying, if you have not seen Session 9, Take a blind buy and pick it up on Blu-ray. I think you'll probably like the, like the film itself. And a lot of the special effects as far as some of the stories that happened on set. And even the Horrors Hallowed Grounds segment that's on the Blu-ray that I watched last night as well. is a pretty fascinating one too. So it's definitely worth your time if you have never seen this one. But I think I'm going to close out this episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes. Also, if you don't do the whole social media thing, you can shoot me an email at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. I know that we are on hiatus right now from In Our Honest Opinion. That is our main podcast show. And then you also have Marvin's Buddy Talks that premieres every Wednesday. So it's part of the WTF block. So with Wednesday, you have Buddy Talks. Thursday, you have In Our Honest Opinion. And of course, on Fridays, you have my show. 
If you do have a free moment, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a five-star rating at the podcast listening platform of your choice. It'll allow me to reach new listeners and also help me create new content for you, the listener. But with that being said, be kind to one another and good night.